welcome to Taking It Personally, the podcast for heart-led entrepreneurs who have a message to share through their business to positively impact the world. I'm Elle Turner, writer, business mindset mentor, mother and lifelong learner who wants to show you that when business is personal, that's when it can really make a difference, not only in your life, but in the lives of those around you and in the wider world. I'm on a heart-led mission to harness the power of thought leadership, mindset and personal growth to help you express your heartfelt, soul-led message with confidence to the world and grow your own impactful business. So whether you're a coach, a consultant, an author, a speaker, or in any other business, if you have a message to share and a positive impact to make, then here's my number one tip. Join me on this podcast every week and let's find out what we can do by taking it personally. Welcome or welcome back to the podcast where we talk about all things entrepreneurial leadership and mindset so that you can grow your heart-led, impact-driven business and live the life that resonates with you, that is in harmony with you at a heart and soul level. Well, hey there, it's Elle here from lturner.me and I am so delighted to bring you a really special episode of Taking It Personally today. I'm joined today by Annie Gishiru, a racial equity coach and creator of the online programme Represented, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. So grab a cuppa or another beverage of your choice, because this is an episode of the show that you do not want to miss. Thank you so much for joining me today, Annie. I am really excited that you're here with me on the show. I am thrilled to be here with you, Elle. Thank you so much for having me. As a racial equity coach and consultant, you help online business owners learn how to build an inclusive business. And for me, as someone who talks about entrepreneurial leadership in online business, I can't think of a more important topic for us to be talking about because we, as online business owners, have an amazing opportunity to be or to become change makers. And you are just such an amazing coach and guide who facilitates that. And I've had the really good fortune through being part of one of your cohorts of your program represented to see you see firsthand the the open hearted and the generous way that you approach supporting people to embark on and commit to an ongoing journey of learning about what we can do to first of all stop perpetuating inequity, what we can do predominantly as white people what we can do to stop perpetuating inequity, to contribute to, to dismantling inequity and to mainstreaming inclusivity. I'm not sure if that's the best term for it. And I'm sure we'll be talking about the importance of language today as we as we talk. So where do you feel we're best to start talking about this, this topic this, today? Mm, I think, firstly, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and to be talking about this this topic that is, you know, really, really core and central to who we are as entrepreneurs, business owners, leaders, uh, inclusion work is something that we bypass. It is not just a good to have. It is essential for how we do life mm-hmm. and how we do business. And I think a good place to begin when it comes to the whole conversation around um, inclusion work is the idea that a lot of people have that um, inclusion work is not for them. 
it's for those who are maybe being racist. It's for the people who are very, um, have very uh, views that are, you know, extreme. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's where a lot of people get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Because when they hear about somebody talking to them about, this is how you can be more inclusive. They're like, oh, that's not for me. I'm already inclusive. Mm-hmm. I have to mm-hmm. Friends from a different racial background. My best friend is black. I'm married to, you know, an indigenous person and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where it can get really, really harmful when you unintentionally uh, think that there's nothing to learn here or you are inclusive because you have that representation around you in your business or in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's where the danger lies. Mm -hmm. And when you step into this work, and you would be somebody who um, who really agrees with this, L, is that when you step into this work and you begin to do the unpacking of, you know, whiteness, the mm-hmm. lens with which we all look at things through that collective, you know, um, majority of how we've been taught to view things, you suddenly realize, hang on. I had never taken that into consideration. I've always viewed myself as somebody who is so totally inclusive. But when I now take a look at the things that I'm consuming, who I'm mm-hmm. paying for, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. what I watch, um, just where I spend most of my time, my networks, actually, you are right. I am really, 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 um, you know, the dominant narrative. And uh, because of that, I am very... Uh, unaware mm-hmm. I'm excluding and that's mm-hmm. when the penny kind of drops and somebody goes like oh hang on I think there's work for me to do here but before they can even arrive there um, it takes a lot it takes a lot and unless you're intentional in doing this work unless you're in that space where you have this has been brought to your attention you probably will not undertake this work Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's you're so eloquent in the way that you put it in a nutshell. Ab- absolutely, that um, the from a white person's perspective, the tendency I think would be to first of all see it as such an emotive topic that it's one to find a way to shy away from, if at all possible, and secondly to look at it from an individual perspective rather than acknowledging that we operate with a frame of reference through the way that we have been brought up. And I think that's so fundamental in in the work that you do is bringing people to that recognition that it's the frame of reference that is the, um, that is the, the thing that we are to work on. It's not about telling people that you individually have done something so heinous and you need to change your ways. It's about that's the it's the collective, as you say, dominant development of society that has created an inequitable situation. And as part of the dominant group, we have an opportunity to change that. And you know what? It's, it's all about shifting things. Mm-hmm. I think when we use terminology such as um, dismantle, it comes across so heavy-handed. You know, we're going to dismantle how um, systems are. And, and when we speak that way, I think a lot of people who are not plugged into this work, they tend to shut down okay, or yeah. shut this out. But when we're talking about shifting lens with which we look through, shifting the way we 
taking information, diversifying how we are consuming uh, the information that we are taking in, that is more, uh, that is something that somebody feels like they can make those steps. But when we talk about dismantling, we are saying the system that exists doesn't work, it is all corrupted, it's all messed up, and so we need to and do it and start from scratch. And the idea of starting from scratch for all of us is, then where do we begin? Too big, yeah. Who's going to lead us there? But if we're talking about shifting, that is a step that somebody can take rather than dismantling. And I know that kind of been the overarching sort of messaging when it comes to doing this kind of work. But I think for me, where I'm coming from, and even as I continue to learn, because I'm a student of this work, as much as I educate, I'm also a student of this work. I'm shifting. My language is shifting and will pop yeah. as well. Yeah. Language is so fluid. Mm. It is constantly changing. And it's it's up to us to adopt and, 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 and you know, understand as the times change as well. We're not in 2020. You know, we're in 2023. And what worked in 2020 in terms of getting people's awareness may not necessarily work now in 2023. We need to apply the lens of the now that we are living in and continue to evolve. That's why I feel that terminology of dismantle may not necessarily be doing us favours right now. And it's more about shifting. That's interesting because I think um, you're talking about something more actionable on a day-to-day basis by all of us. And I think my tendency there or my comfort zone was to look at it in a more cerebral way and you know and and more of a conceptual way so I appreciate the the important distinction there about um you know bringing it down to individually actionable work on a on a daily on a daily basis and when I was when I was talking about it being a subject that is the, the, there's a there's a, a a fear or an, a tendency to want to kind of shy away and not make it worse by putting our foot in it, and you know it's 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 that and that feels that feels horrible, but it's getting past that point to to say, well, my my fear about putting my foot in it and making things worse is less important than doing the work. Um, does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. It does make sense. And I think what, what what we need to is get to a point where we're normalizing this conversation, mm-hmm. whereby it's a taboo conversation, uh, so much so that somebody feels like, oh, I might make a mistake. I might say the wrong thing. I might cause harm. Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness me, what if I get called out? And, it, it, you know, it's so focused on you. Mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That we stop focusing on that. The, the shift or the changes that we want to see because it's so much on me, 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 me. And mm-hmm. what if I get it wrong? And I also understand where that thinking comes from because if you do get it wrong, there are people kind of waiting to go like, hey, hang on, you're not supposed to say that. That was wrong and you should know better. You know, um, educate yourself, this and the other. And so it, it's kind of, um, it, it's a difficult place to be in. Should I do? Should I say? Should I not? Should I just sit in the sidelines, but I think when you're educating yourself, when you're plugged into resources that are reliable and you are part of community, um, people who are really interested in this work and they're doing this work, then there is a camaraderie. There is this feeling of I'm not on my own. 
I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to exercise that muscle of having conversations with loved ones within your sphere of influence. Um, Nobody is expecting you, certainly. I'm not expecting anybody who I educate from the beginning to go out there and go, like, hey, you know, you're doing this and it's, you know, that's an injustice. I think you need to first um, understand what you're dealing with understand simple things like the terminologies you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. words mean what the history of those words are um, who coined them how have they been misused today because a lot of people will hear certain words that are linked to you know racial equity and they'll be like oh no that, that that's a bad word that, that's a word that we can't use you know it's very uh, divisive mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. exclusionary but that's what you've heard probably on the TV. You've heard maybe some politicians arguing about it, but you don't know the true meaning. And sometimes you don't even know how to get to the true meaning because you don't know where am I going to look? Where am I going to get and that information? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exactly. And that's why when you have the information, when you have that understanding, it builds your muscle to have these difficult conversations. You're coming at them from a place of being educated. Yeah. It's no longer, oh, 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 I may put my foot in it or I've made a mistake. Even though you make a mistake, it doesn't sting as much because you are in the business of doing the work. It's when you just kind of jump in and have a knee-jerk reaction and say, oh, you shouldn't be doing this, this is wrong. And then somebody says, oh, hang on, why are you calling that out? Don't you know this? And then you're like, ooh, shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. You're not doing the work of being educated and it being a consistent in your in life. You introduced the subject really nicely there about your uh, racial awareness glossary that um, I was going to ask you about because, as you say, that's such an important starting point and such a, a confidence tool for people like myself who want to continue to learn, who want to get better at um, being supportive and being an ally, who want to be a worthy ally. I mean, I've talked about the importance of language in other contexts on this podcast, and I was reading through your glossary before we before we started this morning, and it's just it's just absolutely so valuable. It's, I wanted to like print it out and stick it on the wall, <laughs> really. So, can you can you can you tell us a wee bit more about that and how to how to get it? Sure. So the glossary, the racial awareness glossary came about because there were terms that I was using with my clients and my students and even I was curious. I was curious as to, I'm just so interested, where did this work come from? What was happening at that time for this terminology to be coined? And who coined it? Um, And how has it been misused now? And how should we be using it right now? So it involved a lot of research of going back and forth and finding which meaning was simple enough for people who are just starting on this journey to grab um, hold of that, but also not to be too overwhelming. Something mm. is really bite-sized, but also substantial. It's not just saying, oh, this is from, you know, 1850 and that's that. You know, just a little bit more meaty, but not too meaty. And that's how the glossary came about. And it's 20 must-know uh, terms on your racial awareness journey. And um, one of the words or one of the terms that I have in there that I have 
uh, kind of pulled aside and done an entire lesson on how this word works. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we know right now we're living in a time where using that word can be viewed as a negative to some groups of people and certainly to, uh, you know, a, a lot of people, there's that feeling of, oh, I'm not too sure about that word. I don't know where it's originated from. There's people who are embracing it, and then there are others who are like anti-woke, like this is something that I want to be a part of. But when you go back to the history, and this one required doing fair bit, it's not something where you just Google and it comes up. It requires, you know, digging way, way deeper than that, and even just having conversations with people within my networks. Um, to go back to, uh, it, it stands back to the 1920s, mm-hmm. when there was a blues singer who had just sung a song he had put together a song that was in had been inspired at the time by two uh boys two black boys who had been arrested uh wrongfully Mm -hmm. for um crime they hadn't committed in alabama and so he put that song together and at the end of it after the end of the performance he tells those who are in the audience, um, stay woke, you know, in other words, um, be aware as you're going about your business, you know, just be vigilant about what's going on because right now racism is very in your face. Um, there's a lot of racial discrimination. So just be aware, be aware of what's going on, stay woke. That's where it originated yeah and um and so that's been a term that was used in the black community a fair bit and then um when we came into the um many 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 years later uh in the era of social media and twitter um it has just taken whole meaning of its own you know mm-hmm. yeah. it's been popularized in different ways it's been taken out of context it's been viewed as this divisive tool but when you go back to the original meaning and what it truly meant you know there's nothing wrong with the term woke it's just pretty much letting people who are being you know discriminated against um to be aware of what's going on mm-hmm. stay woke It gives you so much more knowledge when you hear people debating about it or when you hear people say, oh, that's woke culture. It's so wrong. It shouldn't be permitted. You're like, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't think this person truly understands. So it's it's less um, easier to be dissuaded. It's less easier to be um, misled. You yes. Know, the way okay. Like yeah. Happening mm-hmm. in that herd mentality of oh, this person said this, it must be wrong. Without us doing our own um, interrogation, our own sort of research, and this is what that glossary does for you. It brings you key words that you need to know on your racial awareness journey, and it helps you understand them and know the history behind it, which I think makes this work even more interesting. Because once you find out about a term, you kind of even want to dig deep and go like, "Oh, I want to do my own research now." Absolutely. I find out more from this person. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I had seen your lesson about woke and I hadn't been aware I had um, made my own assumptions about where it had where it had come from and so it was it was interesting to you know to hear that and just I mean everything you everything you're saying about the importance of language is is 
is so valuable. And so your glossary is available on your website and I will put a link in the podcast description as well so that people can just grab grab their own copy and have it and have it to hand and have a have a fascinating read. Um one thing that I think makes you so approachable and such a good coach for white people who want to white people particularly who want to um to learn and do and do this work is so open to teaching and so open to holding space for the the conversations that are pro- you know very very probably not always ones that you would want to hear or have to or have to listen to um what you know why what's what's made you i suppose take such a such a valuable approach for for white people particularly hmm. i think it embodies the kind of person that I am that I teach through a Collingian lens. Yes. Right? And I think if you make this work human first, mm-hmm. and it's not about looking for the mistakes, it's not about um, correcting people because if you're constantly correcting, oh no, you, you got that wrong. Yeah. No, 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 that's not the word. No, no, no. The, it becomes too much. Mm-hmm. And you, as a person who's trying to learn this work, you find it very difficult to stand on your own two feet mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. having to double check with your person. Is this correct? Should I be doing it this way or the other? And for me, I just don't learn that way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if where I learn best is when I'm called in, called in with kindness, called in with grace, uh, compassion. That's where I feel like I can really thrive and grow. And what I've come to learn is that when you do this work, you need to do it in a way that will allow other people to want to come along this journey with you. Because this is not work that, you know, Black and Indigenous people of color can do on their own. We need absolutely everyone to lock arms so that we can begin to shift this narrative of dominance to one you know culture one way of doing things we need to shift that so that it's more inclusive to people who have different experiences and and, and identities and the more we can do that uh, with many people from all backgrounds the more we can have um we can see that change take effect and so for me it was very much from a place of who i am because Mm -hmm. if you try and apply and do this work in a way that i am not it will not be sustainable and that's why i've been able to do this work for quite a number of years without feeling like oh my gosh this is too much it's too heavy yes of course it does get Mm -hmm. heavy it Mm -hmm. does get much but I am still teaching through a lens that I am who I am mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and and just allowing people to come as humans. And I think one of the things that the feedback that I've received that it has been so endearing has been, you know, that, that people feel safe mm-hmm. initially as they are, that they can come and shed their tears, they can come and, you know, talk about the things that are breaking their hearts, but at the same time be ignited to do this work. There isn't shame. Mm. Shame. Oh my goodness, I I feel so terrible that that takes over that you can't even do the work because you're stuck in shame. Mm-hmm. This is there's mm-hmm. so much fuel in doing this work in this way where somebody feels ignited to be part of the change. You want to be part of that collective. You want to uh, play a role in 
your part as a business owner to shifting that narrative. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what I find to be really enviable. Yeah, I mean, that's I, certainly um, my experience in represented. Uh, as I said at the start, I was fortunate enough to be part of one of the cohorts last year. And I'm not sure what I expected coming into represented other than I knew that I wanted something, but I wasn't sure what what I was expecting, but I ended up with so much more anyway because of the the nature of the way that you that you held the space you know you allowed the space for realization which is so important in the in the coaching relationship it was absolutely as you said in terms of it was so illuminating that there's there's just no way to deny the necessity of the work and of us coming together and you know i i I'm I'm not somebody who recommends stuff terribly often or, you know, but I absolutely feel that Represented should be not just a programme for business owners, it should be a programme for humanity. <laughs> it should be for all human life. It should be in schools. It should be, you know, what one of the first things that people experience. And, you know, I just and I and I just can't sort of recommend it highly enough. So could you please talk a bit about Represented and when you're going to make that available to people again? Sure. Well, firstly, can I just say thank you? That's probably one of the biggest compliments I've ever been paid in terms of this strictly part of, you know, humanity. It's not just for, you know, business owners. This should be a program. But that is such a huge compliment. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Represented was a bit from a place where I looked at it as a black migrant woman who's called Australia home for, you know, over 20 years. And I looked at it from the perspective of if I was somebody who was new to this work, new to racial equity work, how would I like to be taken on that journey? How would be the best way to learn? Or even if I wasn't new, this was work that I was continuing, how would this look like? And so I wanted to make it very simple. So it's four modules, and those modules are bite-sized modules. Module one is an introduction to diversity, equity, and inclusion. A lot of times we hear these terminologies being thrown around, but we don't fully understand. So there's something, I think I just have a love for words. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I try to define them. So that when you define them, you really understand. And I think one of the, the things that I define or bring clarity to is the difference between inclusion and equity and diversity and people understanding the difference between equity and equality. Mm -hmm. People going like, whoa, 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 I have never thought of it from that perspective. From now on, I'll be using this terminology because that's what um, is in alignment or what I've been trying to say all this time. Now that makes so much sense. And so when you understand these words, you just have um, a deeper awareness mm -hmm. and a deeper love for learning for this work because you're understanding what these words mean. So we do an introduction to DEI. And in there, we also talk about the cost of racism. Mm -hmm. And that cost is to all of us as a collective. It's mm -hmm. not just the cost to... I think a lot of times people think it's the cost to predominantly black people and whilst black people are the biggest victims of racism it's just not the cost to black folks only the cost mm -hmm. is to 
all of us. And I love how we go into what that cost looks like to all of us. And even painting that picture for white people. How does that look like? How are you losing out because of racism? And that has always been a point of discussion that gets people going like, I knew it was wrong. I just think how it was costing me as somebody who has always thought, you know, well, this is not something that affects me. And then in the next module, now that we've unpacked what, you know, diversity, equity and inclusion is and a few terminologies, um, getting into uh, doing a personal and a business audit. Mm-hmm. Really understand. Where are you on your racial awareness journey so that you know where is the best place that you can begin to tackle this work? And one thing that is really important to understand is that this is not work that you can do separately. Like, I just want to work on my business. That's it. What you realize is the bigger piece is the personal piece Mm -hmm. that you need to work on. You have your eyes open in such a way where certain things that you didn't see before you now we'll see them forever because you cannot see them mm-hmm. once you see mm-hmm. them you mm-hmm. will continue to see them and that just um, begins to solidify your work in terms of your awareness as it as it pertains to racial equity and then we get into a conscious inclusion how can you be conscious about being inclusive because it's not something where you read a book you download the glossary and you're like yay I know a few things now, um, and hopefully I can toe the line and be inclusive. No, it, it walks you step by step on how can you remain, um, you know, how can you be consciously inclusive. And then we finish off the program with allyship and advocacy. Mm-hmm. And you go on to be that lifelong ally and an advocate for people with um, marginalized identities. And I think the beauty of this is just the research that has been put into the program that is so bite-sized that you read an article, you watch a TED talk, you um, listen to some powerful podcast episodes, and this is information that's just been curated so um, so well to complement each module that you leave there going like, oh my goodness. This, you just want to dig deeper. You want to continue learning. It gives you joy in the learning. Whilst some of the things that you're learning are horrific, mm-hmm. some of the mm-hmm. things that you're learning just, just heartbreaking, but it, it makes you want to be that change maker. And so it's been made in, you know, in mind for that online business owner who wants to do better, who wants to build that business that is racially inclusive and the best part is that then we gather every fortnight um, to talk about that particular module that's coming up for you roadblocks that you're facing uh, some of the things that you're feeling and we unpack that as a group and I think that is probably the best bit because we Mm -hmm. get to share we get to unpack, we get to shed tears we get to kind of recommit ourselves to this work this is where the collective really, really comes in. And, um, and and that's it. In a nutshell, we, we get to meet, we get to do this work. But it's it's one of those programs you do and it stays with you for life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do it and it stays with you. And it's um, you get lifetime access. You can keep coming back to this work over and over and over again. And um, it's I think it's just a container of just being called in the grace 
the compassion, mm, mm-hmm. the non-judgmental mm-hmm. space to just come and unpack that and do work at such a deep level that you pro- possibly didn't think you would. And I know that has been the story for many, many past, you know, students, um, participants. Absolutely. I mean, it's certainly, the resources are so rich. It's a very enriching experience. And even though um, when you're saying some of the, you know, some of the work is, it's very, it's very confronting, but it doesn't feel, what's the word, you know, it was always like, oh, fantastic. Here's the represented call to go to. It was never a, 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 oh, oh goodness, I have to go to the represented call. It was never that. It was always very keen to have the conversation in, in that space. So, you know, as I say, I would, I, would highly, highly recommend it to to anybody. And, you know, when you were talking about people new to the work, I didn't consider myself new to the work um, at the at the time that I joined Represented and it was still so much more. I, you know, I was so much less aware than I thought I was. Um, and so, I, you know, I would say to anybody who feels that they are not new to the work to still strongly investigate Represented because... You know, it's 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 what you make of it too. I think as well because it's all there for the it's all there for the taking. I guess in terms of the resource and the learning. Um, so I think the, the the overwhelming feedback has been I didn't realize how much I didn't know. Mm-hmm. They thought I was you know inclusive. I thought I was aware. I really really thought I was aware until doing the program and going like. They know anything mm. and there are those who come to the program who are brand new to it but there are those who have been seasoned who have been doing this work for years and still there's so much to take away they're like i've been doing this work for years but i have to tell you some of these resources that you know the resources that you can rate for each module it is just so complimentary it has allowed me to dig way deeper than um, I ever thought I could. And I think what also makes represented super special is that because of the, the, the kind of container and the kind of people that I let into the program, because it's not for everybody, um, there's a lot of vulnerability that is, that is experienced inside the program. And I set the tone by sharing my own story, my own story of being black migrant, you know, realizing for the first time that I was black, not because I never knew I was black in the first place, but because of being in the minority and seeing myself stick out and be so black in a space that was predominantly white. And so I share and I walk through, you know, different parts of my story from 20 years ago, right down to where I am today. And I think it's something that people find so eye-opening to step into those shoes for the few minutes that I share my story. And it also allows them to be vulnerable. Sometimes they share those experiences, say, you know, I went through that, but it wasn't through that lens. Mm -hmm. I went through it as a white person. It was so different. I never considered how that might be black person and a migrant and a woman and you know when you put all these intersectional mm-hmm. identities mm-hmm. it just adds on it just you know the, the layers of you know um, I, I suppose underrepresentation just mm-hmm. adds on mm-hmm. and you're able to appreciate that even more and I think as as uh, space holders as business leaders when we are holding space for others when we are equipped with this kind of information it is such a gem to have that kind of awareness, racial awareness, where somebody's stepping into work with you and they're like, oh, Elle has done this work. 
So there's a there's a comfort in knowing that this is work that you're um, have done. This is work that you're prioritizing. You are aware there's certain things that I don't have to spell out for you because this is a work that you're doing. And so your ability for you to see me in my humanity, see me um, a lot better when you've done this work is a lot more um, illuminated and you're, you become a better leader because of doing this work. Absolutely. And I think as well, the ongoing nature of the learning and the need for the ongoing learning. Um, I mean, I think I illustrated it actually at the start of the podcast when I, I kind of intellectualized it because rather than, and you, you know, you brought it back to, well, actually it's more valuable if we're talking about day-to-day action um, because, you know, I suppose it's more comfortable to intellectualize it than to to sort of sit in the in the day-to-day action. So I appreciate the you bringing it back and that highlights the need to just keep with the represented resources, just to keep the eye on eye on the ball, I suppose, as to what what the what the what the work is that creates the shift, so that it it doesn't become a oh I learned about that exercise. It's like I am learning about that and committing to keep going. Um, so, could can you say something about the ongoing nature of the work? Sure, I think when it comes to ongoing and being consistent and committed to this work. A lot of people think that this is work that you need to do every single day or you need to be plugged in. And we know that is not a reality. We will not be able to be plugged into this work 24-7. I teach this work. I'm not plugged in all of the time. I need to unplug. I need to fill my cup. And then I need to come and and, and do what I need to do in terms of um, coaching, supporting, educating And so when it comes to doing the work, I think it's always my best advice would be finding a medium that you're able to consume with ease. Mm -hmm. How do you like to get information? Are you somebody who reads? Mm -hmm. Are you somebody who listens to podcasts? I listen to podcasts because I'm able to multitask. I'm able to just pop my AirPods on, go grocery shopping, do that while I listen to um, your podcast and so on and so forth. So how do you like to consume information? Once you find that thing, then plug into something that has to do with matters to do with um, uh, DEI. But also here's the thing, I'll also say this, it doesn't always have to be about matters to do with anti-racism because sometimes we can only take so much, right? Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. know, nobody's saying listen to this every single day. But how can you begin to diversify the content that you're receiving, mm-hmm, the content mm-hmm. that you're consuming? Are you, uh, if you read, are you reading from authors that are black, mm-hmm, that are indigenous, mm-hmm. that are people of color? You know, um, when you sign up for programs or you're getting support, are you looking to be part of a group that is quite racially diverse, or is it another just group that looks and sounds like you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's teach you who is a person that you're paying money to educate you and i'm not talking about just from a racial equity perspective but from whatever the area that you're looking to you know mm-hmm. develop business development you know money uh, and wealth management um social media mm-hmm. all those different elements that add on to your business you know copywriters and so mm-hmm. forth mm-hmm. do what backgrounds do they come from again are they just people who look and sound like you because if they are 
you will continue being carried up in a narrative. It's going to be really, really difficult to begin to think, how can I be more inclusive? Because if everything that you are consuming and the people who are supporting you are all the same, it is very, very difficult to have that different thought and freedom of mind that is coming from somebody else. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that you would need to look at. And it is part of the, you know, the activity that we do when it comes to doing that business and personal audit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And goes back to what you were talking about as well. When you were talking about the cost, the, the cost of not doing the work is in the round because it's it's that personal cost of not having the the experience. It's incredibly important that to look at it as a human necessity, not a business necessity or a you know. A lot of times we're told, you know, this this you know this mm-hmm. is this is what we should be doing. But it's all about a, a applying a human lens. You know, how can we be uh, human led? How can we be heart led? How can mm-hmm. we be um, putting our humanity first before anything? And that's why sometimes I find it um, uh, interesting when somebody says, "Oh, I don't know, I don't know. Educate me, educate me. You know, what would a black person like, or mm-hmm. this and the other." Well, how about we try just being human, first and foremost, you know? Um, If you just remove the shoulds and woulds and this and the other, what's a human thing to do? What's Mm -hmm. a human thing to do? If you apply a human lens. And more often than not, it it requires us to be inclusive. It requires Mm -hmm. us to not treat everybody exactly the same because people have individual needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And their circumstances dictate what they're able to access and do. And so what do we do with that? How can we support? Mm -hmm. And I think once we begin to operate in a more human way, then we're able to bring more people on the journey along with us. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what you were saying about the difference between equity and equality. Equity and equality. Yes. Yeah. Annie, I could talk to you all day, but I'm conscious that um, I'm I'm keeping you late because it's it's your it's your evening time, and I really so appreciate you giving up your your evening to join us today. Um, thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. And on behalf of everybody who listens to this episode of Taking It Personally, um, we've spoken about people accessing your racial awareness glossary. I will put a link to that in the podcast description. Um, but can you tell us where else we can find you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram Annie.ishuru is the handle, and that's where I share a lot of lessons on being uh, racially equitable in your business and in life. Um, and my program represented that we've spoken about. Uh, enrollment opens on the, oh goodness me, uh, on the 23rd of August, right. right until the 6th of September, and we begin on the 14th of September. That's the final cohort for 2023. And so if you've been listening to this and you're like, you know what, this sounds like a program like I'd like to know more about, I'm sure Elle will have the link in the show notes to represent it. So you can read more about it and come and join us for the next cohort. I'd love to have you. There will absolutely be a link in the podcast description to that. If I could put a neon sign in the podcast description to that, I would do so. Um, So 
I mean, thank you once again. And please remember to check out the podcast description for links to where you can find Annie online to get your racial awareness glossary, to find out more about Represented. Thank you for joining us both today on Taking It Personally. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we would love to hear what spoke to you. So please do get in touch and I will speak to you next week on the podcast. But until then, thank you once again, Annie, and enjoy your business. Bye for now. Thank you for taking it personally and spending this time with me to talk all things business mindset and entrepreneurial leadership. I so appreciate your desire to have this conversation and join me on my truly heart-led mission. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you and your success always. So join me next time to talk about what we can do by taking it personally.